Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to church this afternoon to those who are present here and also to those who have joined us via the live stream. It is a wonderful blessing that we may be here again to join together in the worship of our triune God. It is our desire that the preaching of the gospel message directs our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory has the following announcements. Consistor Arena Flandes has arrived with an attestation from the Free Reform Church of Mundajong. We welcome her into our congregation. Sister Abby Wheelstra has requested an attestation to the Free Reform Church of Launceston. We wish her the Lord's blessings in her new congregation. The consistory, as elders only, will meet tomorrow evening at 8pm in the consistory room. And this afternoon we welcome our Emeritus Minister, Reverend Veltman, who will lead us in worship. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together Psalm 116, verses 1 and 9. rise and let us lift up our hearts to the Lord. At the beginning of this worship service we first of all confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And we greet you, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's praise the name of the Lord and sing some 84, the first is one, two, and three.
communion with the Jews of all times and all places. We will confess our Catholic undoubted Christian faith. It's the words of the Apostles' Creed, and we do that by singing hymn one. unite in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank thee that we may dwell in thy presence for the second time today to find shelter and refuge with thee. Shelter amid the turmoil in this world and at times also in our own life finding shelter by listening to the gospel of thy love towards us sinners. Sinners, yet saved in Christ, the Redeemer of our lives. Lord, we thank thee that by thy grace we may belong to that nation, that church, which Christ gathers, defends and preserves from the beginning of this world to its end. Preserving us on the road to our eternal home. To stay focused on that eternal destination thou hast given us the Sunday, a day of rest, a joyful day to refocus our minds on the things that are above. For Lord, we confess that so often we get distracted throughout the week. But then on Sunday thou art there as our faithful God and Father, to provide us with food for eternal life, a place of springs, a lost oasis in the barren wilderness of this world. 
the Sunday, a feast day, where we may drink of the river of thy delight, the preaching of the gospel, to point us to thee as our Father in Christ. So that also throughout the week, we may live as thy children, kingdom-focused, seeking the things that are above. And so Lord, we pray thee, wilt thou help us to listen attentively we confess that the danger is there that we just go through the motions. After all, we know the gospel of salvation. We have heard already so many sermons and the basic message can come across as always the same. We know that we, that we have a father who cares for us. A savior who died for us. We know the commandments. We hear them every Sunday. Therefore, Father, it can happen that the miracle of all this no longer touches our hearts. We no longer stand in awe of it. And it can so quickly happen that we no longer live from it throughout the week either. And so we pray thee, fervently plead with thee, that listening to the gospel this afternoon it may create in us a renewed desire to serve thee sincerely, with all our heart, soul, and mind. May that be the fruit of this afternoon's preaching. We pray thee be near to us both in speaking and listening. Bless our worship and we sing our praises to thee and give our offerings in the collections. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. This afternoon we will focus on the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, and in connection with that we will also read 1 John 3, verses 10 through to 24, a section that speaks about love, which is basically the opposite of murder. And that's what we also focus on in particular this afternoon. Especially what God commands us in this command, in this sixth commandment. We read from 1 John 3, starting in verse 10 through to the end. In response, we will sing from Psalm 122, verse 3, about the peace in Jerusalem. 1 John 3, verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is it one who doesn't love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. He should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother, brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, 
and we also lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in words or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now turn to our confession, Lord's Day 40 of the Heidelberg Catechism on page 555 of your book of praise. Lord's Day 40. What does God require in the sixth commandment? I'm not to dishonor, hate, injure or kill my neighbor swords, words or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or soon other. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore also the government bears the sword to prevent murder. But 
does, it com does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. When God condemns envy, hatred and anger, he commands us to love our neighbors ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy and friendliness towards him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. So far, the catechism. In response to the sermon, we'll sing from Psalm 133, the verses 1 and 2. Psalm 133, the, first, the two verses in response to the sermon. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When dealing with the sixth commandment this afternoon, I would like to focus in particular on the aspect that life Life is a gift of God. In scripture we read that God gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. The Apostle Paul speaks about it when he is on the Areopagus, and you can read it in Acts 17. If you please take your Bible and read with me some of these verses of Acts 17, because Paul comes across there a altar for the unknown God. And then he says there in Acts 17, verses 22 and following, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I passed along and observed objects of your worship and I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. And then is the point where I like to put your notice on. But therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and bounds of war and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for, and that's also an aspect I would like to highlight, for in him we live move and have our being. In him we move, we live, move and have our being. That's life, brothers and sisters, in the most intense sense of the word. That's how God created us in the beginning and that also in such a way that we could, could communicate with each other. And it's that life that Christ wants to restore in us. 
That's why I came down to this life, to this world. We had, we had destroyed everything following the voice of the devil. And you see straight away in paradise what had come from that. I'll come back to that. But then in Christ, God wants to restore that life to us. Man had plunged himself into eternal death. But he who believes in Christ receives this beautiful life. That also means, brothers and sisters, when you want to see your life blessed in that respect, you must seek Christ. Without Christ, you will never find this life. And yet, in their foolishness, the sad thing is that many don't want this. They prefer love rather than light. They love the darkness rather than life, I mean. They love darkness rather than life. You could also say they love death above life. For what is death? That's having no communion with God. So they love death, having no communion with God, rather than that beautiful life Christ has in store for us when we seek Him. How come? How come that most of the people don't want to listen to this word of life? Commandments is God has given us for the well-being of life. When you obey these commandments, life will flourish. Then life will bring something back of the climate of paradise. God seeks our well-being. In a life, if you see it around us, it's surrounded by death. Every day you hear about crimes and things that, that are related to crime and then people die. Abuse in families, wives, and so on. A world surrounded with death and then God wants to give life. Instead of envy, hatred, anger, desire for revenge, of, of revenge. And unfortunately, brothers and sisters, we mention these things. We find that also in the church. Envy, desire of revenge. And all that's related to it. And that's why, God, that's why God has given the six commandments. For he does not in the first place address the people in the world. But he addresses us. You shall not murder. And it is basically that God says you should love one another. It's the imperative of love. In the same way as the Apostle John speaks about in that passage we have read. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. That's the imperative Christ gives to us. And that's what he has suffered for. That's what he has given his life for on the cross. So that we could have this life in him. And that brothers and sisters says in the letter to the Romans, Christ did so for us whilst we were enemies. We didn't seek him. But in his grace he sought us sinners. That's grace. Amazing grace. That Christ did this for us. And they say, if that is the case, if that is the case that Christ did this for us and wants to restore that to us, how come that we at times find it so difficult to love one another? To sincerely love one another in self-denying love. 
therefore the sixth commandment God summons his children to love one another and so to respect the life of the neighbor and God we'll look at three points that God is the creator of this life that Satan is the destroyer of this life and that Christ is the redeemer of this life so first of all God is the creator of this life We read that already in the very beginning of God's word. When we read the first chapters of Genesis that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. That's how life started. And then God gives also the command be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So creation was given to man to enjoy life in communion with God, his creator, and in fellowship with his neighbor. I'd like to highlight that last aspect as well. Man in, his, in fellowship with his neighbor. But brothers and sisters, when we focus on life, we often focus only on the physical aspect of it. You breathe, your heart beats, so you live. That's life. But when God created us and gave us life, he gave us much more. He gave us a voice that we could communicate. He gave us feelings so that we also become sensitive to what we say to others. It's all part of the life God gave us. You see that? What that means when, when you can, can offer help to people, or that you can be there for people. Look at Barrett's. The deep sense of having those feelings that you can communicate and be there for one another. That's life. And it's not only in marriage, but it's in all kinds of relationships. That's how God wants us to live for him. But then life was ruined. Now if you want to look at the aspect that that, that is life, think of a family where you have all these arguments. And you come there, and you come home and you say to your wife, there, in that family, they have no life. Of course they live there. They breathe, the heart beats. But you have no life there. That life as God intended it is not there. It's broken. The harmony is gone. The life that God created in paradise. That's what happens when sin came into the world. And we see this straight away after the fall. Adam who initially had said about his wife beautifully that God has given this wife to me. But then after the city says that's her fault, not mine. So she start, he starts blaming his wife. And next you see Cain murder his brother. That's how life was ruined after the fall into sin. And now the miracle is that God in his grace did not say if that, what is, if that is what you want, you can have it. God did not turn his back upon us. But God said, I will bring my son into this world. And he will give you that life back. In the battle between Satan and the seed of the woman, he will win the battle. I gave him to give you life back 
And also in that period to sustain your life. So God is not only the creator of life. He's also the sustainer of life. He gives life in every birth. But he also sustains life. For brothers and sisters, how would he otherwise be able to live in this world? In a world that has given itself due to sin up to disintegration. And then God says, I will sustain life. And therefore I give you my command. You shall not murder. God doesn't want the destruction of life created by him. He seeks to protect it. And hence, the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Now it should be noted, brothers, this, that God, with this commandment, does not forbid all killing. We read in the Old Testament about the avenger of blood. In the New Testament we read that the government has been given the sword to execute wrath on those who practice evil. And that's also according to what God said in the beginning. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. So that shows that the sixth commandment does not forbid all killing. And therefore it is also noteworthy that in scripture, the word that is used in the sixth commandment is used nowhere else. Because it uses a word that speaks about all unlawful killing. No one is allowed to unlawfully take his neighbor's life, for it is a precious gift of God. And therefore, whoever unlawfully takes the life of his neighbor sits against God. It also shows, brothers and sisters, that in the sixth commandment, God does not require an absolute respect for life. You see that, for example, in peace movements. Now, this command is given to honor God as the creator of life. Life and death are not independent powers to which we have to submit. Thankfully not. These are powers that belong to God. And that's where we should leave them. In the firm conviction that God takes life in his time and gives life in his time. We see that in birth and death. That's God's time. And never one second earlier or later. That's the comfort we have. Life is in God's hand. And so it's not that we have to submit to death, but we honor God who will preserve our life till the time comes that we may come home. So as God's children, we may draw a tremendous comfort from this, knowing that we may, our, we may lay our weak lives in the secure hands of God Almighty, who gave it to us when we were born, and who will take it from us when the days are numbered, written in his book. The days that were fashioned for us even before this world was created. What a comfort it is. What a glorious gospel that is, brothers and sisters. In a life where around us we see violence, crime, murder, and yet... With God, we are always safe. Not a hair can fall from our head without Father's will. Richer gospel cannot be preached to us.
So God wants to protect that life created by him. And God does so to resist Satan who wants nothing else than to destroy that life. It's not, that, not for nothing that the Lord Jesus said that Satan is a murderer from the beginning. With these words, the Lord Jesus refers to how in the beginning the devil deceived man and in doing so ruined man's life. Because of sin, death entered this world, death by which Satan tries to destroy that life created by God. And so it was Satan who instigated Cain to murder his brother. That was Satan's work. And from there on a large stream of blood has been shed throughout the ages. Genesis 4 we read about Lamech boasting of his revenge. Revenge which gave him joy in life. That was a life without God. In which Satan received all triumphs. Now you may say that, that, that's outside the church. But note well enough that Satan tries his utmost no less that's in the church. Cain murdering Abel that was in the church. I also think of Queen Ataliah, who murdered the complete royal household of David Bavan, that one little Joes. A devilish gall by which this evil queen did not shrink from murdering even her own grandchildren. And the same devilish gall we see when King Herod murdered all the male infants of Bethlehem, since he wanted to kill also the little Jesus. Now reading, we read about this, brothers and sisters, and sometimes you wonder maybe, how come that people can become so cruel? But it's how Satan has people in its grip, as nowadays. We live in a world full of violence, crime, murder. Daily are confronted with it. It's a consequence of Satan, and Satan is not who stirs up that hatred leading to many criminal attacks ending in death, terror attacks. Satan stirs it all up, even the minds of people with a pseudo-gospel, like the minds of those who are recruiting for ISIS and Al-Qaeda. A pseudo-gospel and in that we see the old age battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. People standing up for their faith, refusing to cite the Koran, and they are killed brutally. There are many other things I could mention. Satan is at work in those worldwide millions of abortions, but also when it comes to the end of life. Then men can no longer see any meaning for it. In cases of terminal illness, for example, or other sicknesses. Satan instigates men to take it all in his own hands. But according to human principles, life has no longer any meaning. What's the meaning of life? When children are born severely handicapped, be it physically or mentally. What's the meaning of life? When one has to bear pain, suffer pain beyond bearing. And so man takes it all in his own hands, trying to be wiser than God. As if, brothers and sisters, as if for God there would be life without meaning. 
And of course, there is never life without meaning. Severely handicapped person, disabled, Down syndrome. What a blessing it can be to a family. You speak about families that have a Down syndrome child. It, it has brought, brought so much joy to this family. You hear that first and you think, how will we cope? But God gives us strength to do that. Isn't that beautiful? Life without meaning? No way. Someone terminally ill. Look, it's a beautiful testimony. He said, I've had that in my pastoral ministry that you visit someone and you think, but what can that person still do? And you talk, and that person says, now I have finally all the time for prayer. Isn't that beautiful? He said, life without meaning? Of course not. But the pain can be terrible. But God gives us still a task. And then sometimes visiting that person, try to comfort, you are comforted yourself. Life with meaning. So life always has meaning. We should never take it in our own hands. God takes it in his time. But more can be said here. As I mentioned earlier, God forbids not only the actual deed of murder, in abortion and euthanasia. But he also forbids envy, hatred, anger, desire for revenge. And when the Catechism mentions all these things, then, then this command comes a bit closer to our home. For let's be honest, brothers and sisters, this root of murder is found in all of us. Let's be honest. I think of the sin of envy whereby the grass on the other side of the fence always seems greater than on our side. And at times it causes us to become jealous of our neighbor. It starts already when children are young. That classmate that always does better than I do. And from there on it continues. We are no longer content with the life God has given us. And at times that that energy can become so strong that it consumes a person, that eats him away to the extent that he starts to hate that person. Anger. Instead of loving his neighbor. That love is gone. In a very practical way, I think here of all bullying at school, for example. The things we write on social media, text messages, sending around, which are not pleasing God, but have the intent to harm our neighbor. However, as the Apostle John writes in the passage we have read this afternoon, eternal life is no longer living in us when that happens. Those who have this attitude towards the neighbor cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now that seems quite, quite a harsh statement. Especially when you think, oh, I was just having a bit fun to send him or that message. I, know all, I don't know all these, how all these social media work, but it can be very hurting at times. And that just for a bit of fun, a bit of fun. But in the meanwhile, it harms your neighbor. Or we have no idea what this kind of fun can lead to. Depression. Suicidal thoughts. When you talk with people who suffer from this, they often recount how they were hated, how they hated school. 
They hated school because no one loved them. That raises the question, do we really out, reach out in love to one another? Drawing also in those who are always standing on the outside, perhaps don't have such a pretty face, according to us, and are just a bit of fun. Is that too bad? Let us examine ourselves, young and old alike. Because brothers, this can happen among adults as well. For example, how do we speak about one another? So quickly it happens, and I've seen it in my ministry, that certain families within the congregation are labeled. Oh, he comes from that family. And we say it with a negative tone in our voice. I know from my active ministry that because of this, members of such a family left the church. And no one reached out to them. I think, brothers and sisters, upon reflection, and it may seem a harsh statement, on reflection it might well be that sometimes we have blood on our hands by not having reached out enough. We reach out to newcomers. But what do we do about those who live on the fringes of the church? I see them falling through the cracks. Do we reach out in love? Then we have seen someone not in church, say for four or five weeks, a young person always sitting in front of you. All of a sudden he's not there anymore. No longer sitting with his parents. Time did the office bearers speak to him. Yes! What about me? Don't I have a task there? And that's how people have fallen through the cracks. So quickly criticize. So easily we judge and condemn, but beloved, let's never make light of the message of the sixth commandment. Realize that the Lord sees the heart. The Lord knows even our inmost thoughts. He knows how deep down we feel towards our neighbor, whether we really love him. It also happens among church members that envy is eating us away. Or we are terribly annoyed with a fellow brother or sister. Saying sometimes, I can't stand him. But it's not what the Lord wants among members of the same body. In the end, it rules the church. Beloved, instead of letting our life be ruled by the works of the flesh, like hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition and envy, instead of letting those works of the flesh rule our life, being renewed in Christ should produce in us the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul writes, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then the Apostle is not speaking to people in the world, but to church members. He writes these things in view of the well-being of the congregation of Christ. Whoever today let these works of darkness ruin his life, will finally also end his life in darkness. I think here of one of the last verses of the Bible. 
where it says that on the last day, murderers will be found outside the kingdom of God. Murderers, that, and I quote the catechism, that includes those who have lived in envy, hatred, anger towards the neighbor. God hates all this. Yes, God hates it. Because it leads to death, the root of murder. And God wants to remove this. It's all its roots. It's all its branches. Because God seeks our life. That life for which Christ died on the cross. And that's the life he will give us. Quite some statements the minister made so far. And then we all may think, we reflect upon our life, who can live on that higher level? Is that impossible? Yes, it is impossible when I look at myself. When I look at myself. I'm not talking about you. It's impossible if I look at myself. But the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John points us to Jesus Christ who out of love laid down his life for us and in so doing obtained for us also the life-giving spirit. That means it is only in and through Christ that we can love our neighbors ourselves. At Calvary, Christ loosened the powers that heal rifts, that bridge gaps, forces by which we can fight the envy, hatred and anger that may at times be eating us away. At Calvary, Christ gave his life to bring to being a new communion, washed in his blood, sanctified by his spirit. A new communion of saints of which the members rejoice in the mutual bond we have with Christ. And so also will use their gifts readily and cheerfully for the well-being of the other members. Brothers and sisters, that is not a communion that comes into being from our side by our efforts. It's not a communion that we sit here oh, we like all we like one another. That's, that's nice. We have communion. We all like. That's, that's communion, no. Yeah, we should like all one another. But it's not from ourselves. It's Christ who brings that communion to being. That we be kind by the Spirit. For otherwise it will never last. But Christ has given us the Spirit. So as we are sitting here, Loving one another, that's God's work. Isn't that beautiful? That's God's work. We have not chosen each other, but God has given us to one another. He brought us together because of Christ's blood, and he will also keep us together by that same blood and the life-renewing power of the Holy Spirit. And looking at the church communion from this beautiful perspective, brothers and sisters, it's impossible that we would say, I don't need that brother and sister. And to leave him a bit from the outside, almost turn our back upon him. It's impossible if we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. And then don't look at others, but start with yourself. I need that blood of Christ. As much as that brother whom by nature I may not like. Looking at Christ, I will accept him joyfully as my fellow brother or sister, as a member of the same body. 
And that I might have heard him or her in the past, I go there to speak with that person, apologize, ask the Lord for forgiveness. And then the air is cleared, and we may rejoice together in the forgiveness of sins. That's how relationships can be restored in marriage between husband and wife, in the family between parents and children, and also in the communion of saints as members of one another. That's how God gives this commandment that we should obey it in thankfulness for what Christ has given us. Self-denying love. The least. When no one wanted to wash the disciples' feet, the Lord did. That's humbleness. That's self-denying. Are we willing to do that? We only can do that in Christ. To believe in Christ and loving your brother are not two things, but they are one. That's to believe in Christ is the root of all love. Embracing Christ with all his benefits means starting a new life. If it becomes our heartfelt desire to do away with all envy, hatred, anger and desire of offense. Then we lay that aside as the weight of sin that slows us down in running the race. God made a new becoming, a new beginning in Christ. And we may share in it. And it should also show up in our lives. Out of thankfulness for the redemption in Christ. Rejoicing in the communion of saints. That's the gospel. Of it's also the apostle John speaks in the portion of scripture we have read. That we love not just in words and tongue, but in deed and truth. That this true and sincere love will determine our life more and more. And it is, and it is a fruit of the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, brothers and sisters, make sure that also it's respect to the sixth commandment. You do not grieve the Holy Spirit, but pray daily that God will cause you to grow in that love. That makes love beautiful, and that will also cause the communion of saints to flourish. And then together, we hold on to each other, also to those on the fringes, so that together we make a home safely. Amen.
ritual prayer and thanksgiving. This afternoon there are a number of things we will remember in prayer. First of all, that Brother Henry Spenderman will go into surgery this week. We'll also thank the Lord that this morning Brother Enson van Delden could be installed as Minister of the Word in Lagana. We'll pray that the Lord will also give him his blessing in the ministry there. And Brother and Sister Simon and Lisa received from God a baby girl. And the Lord made all things well, and so we all will also thank the Lord for that. Let's give thanks. Lord, we thank thee for the opening of thy words. By renewing thou hast reminded us that we should love, live in love towards one another. And this in thankfulness for the love thou hast shown us first. Lord, we confess that much is lacking in this respect with others. We do not always guard our tongues in speaking with one another. We do not always guard our hearts and minds when we think of one another. At times envy, hatred, and anger can raise its head. Father, it grieves thee. So we pray thee, by thy spirit, help us recognize these sins. Help us fight against them. So that we may truly love our neighbor. We say the communion of saints, help us to love one another unconditionally. Self-denying. Always seeking the interest of the other first. Make us so a living communion of saints. And that for the glory of thy name. Lord, help us never to forget that we are dying. Chosen by grace. Bearing the mark of thy name on our foreheads. The name of, the name of thee, the triune God, the holy God. And Lord, that's by grace alone. For by nature the root of murder also lives in our heart. Yet in Christ thou hast redeemed us. Thou hast given us, a, given us a new heart to live for thee in love for one another. Granted by the power of thy spirit this may become more and more visible in our lives. So that our lives may flourish rejoicing in that love which creates also peace. Lord, help us to live in such a way that we never grieve the Holy Spirit by living carelessly. <coughs> Just going through the motions, ticking the boxes. But in the meantime, not really living our faith. Not really showing thankfulness to thee with our entire life. Lord, when this is the case, help us repent. Asking thee also for guidance and strength. Please indeed to us throughout this coming week. Help us daily to walk with thee. Give us minds that are focused on thee. Thoughts that are kingdom focused. Help us to do our work every day not for our own glory and reputation but to glorify thee in using our talents to serve thee. Whether at work or at home. Make all of us in the place where thou hast set us faithful stewards in thy service. And that also concerning the time thou hast given us. So that we never waste time. But instead may redeem the time. Lord, so often we are focused on this world. 
But help us realize that this world will not last. And that therefore we should not set our hearts on things that in the end will pass away. And so grant that the people around us may see that we have something different to live for. Be so near to us. So this coming week. But we pray for our brother Spenderman as he will go into surgery this week. Will thou guide the hands of the doctors. Grant that it may go well. And that he may also recover from this operation. In a way that he can have new energy again, Father. And all that comes with it. But we pray that Brother Anson van Delden could be installed as Minister of the Word in Lagana. We thank thee, Father, that thou hast blessed him throughout his studies, that he could finalize the exams, and now may start his ministry. Lord, it's an enormous task. But thou art there. To be there for the ministers, also for Anson. That by the power of thy spirit, they can do this work. And Father, that's what we pray also for Reverend Poppy in the midst of this congregation. Will thou bless him? Will thou give him the strength he needs? And grant that also the upcoming holiday may, they, may do him good so that in due time he can with refreshed energy take his task here in this congregation. Be with him, his family and their children. Of a special place, Father, in the midst of the congregation, be near to them. Lord, we thank thee that Simon and Lisa could receive another baby from thy hands and that thou hast made all things good. Be with this family, Father. Carry them by thy grace and give them as parents also what they need in raising the children thou hast given them. And give that to all the families of the church, Father. Give wisdom, especially in this day and age where there are so, much, so many attacks on the family. Parents need a lot of wisdom, Father. But also that wisdom thou wilt give when together as a family we live around thy open words. And so, Father, we pray for all of us that daily that words may go open. That we live around an open Bible. That it is the first thing we do in the day to take that word with us, that light on our path, so that we can be faithful every day in thy service. But we lay all this before thee, asking thee to hear our prayer and to accept our thanksgiving. Not because we deserve it, but because we deserve nothing. But we thank thee that we may plead with thy grace in Jesus Christ. He who is our high priest in heaven, who can sympathize with our weaknesses, a savior, hear us in his name. Amen. You will now receive the opportunity to give to the Lord your gifts of thankfulness, which will be for the ministry of mercy, and after that you'll sing from Psalm from Hymn 85 to verses 1 and 2.
shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.